Welcome to the Youth Ministry in Motion Podcast. The number one youth ministry podcast on the planet. The show that keeps you motivated and your youth ministry moving forward. Now, here's your host, author, speaker, and trainer, Paul Turner. What's going on, youth workers? You guys are champions. You guys are awesome. Thank you for joining me today for the Youth Ministry Motion Podcast, episode number 98. This is the first time I've even mentioned, I think, or started with the episode number uh, in the podcast because it's quickly moving on to episode 100. I am super excited about it, not because it's 100, but simply because uh, I didn't give up. Uh, I said, look, I'm going to do this because I believe youth workers want to be informed. They want to be equipped. They want to be motivated. They want their youth ministries to move forward. And I think I can do that. But I, I know there's so many, uh, you know, podcasts, youth ministry podcasts that, you know, burn out and flame out too soon. And I just said, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to stick with it. So, but I need your help. I have a little poll going as to whether or not I should do anything special for episode 100 or just leave it alone. Just say, look, act like you've been there, Paul. 100 episodes. So if you want to uh, chime in on that, you can go to the Facebook group, uh, the Youth Ministry of Motion podcast Facebook group. You can just find it on uh, Facebook there. And um, you can chime in and vote and tell me you think uh, think I should do something special or um, just kind of you know hang loose and say, you know what, episode 100, I knew I'd get here. That's all. Just it's a 100. It's all good. Uh, today, uh, I have an interview with Heather Kiros, and she is uh, the author of First Century Youth Ministry, Exploring Our Jewish Roots to Reclaim Discipleship. And she does a just a tremendous job here. She, she, wrote, she wrote this book about something I am super passionate about, which is discipleship. Some of you know that. Some of you don't know that. Uh, that's why I have a website called thedisciplesproject.net. You can go visit there and you can discover uh, all the uh, discipleship resources and whatnot. Uh, over a thousand blog posts, um, you know, uh, links to videos, all that kind of good stuff. And you can check that out and uh, and see why I'm so passionate about it. But Heather today is going to bring you tremendous value. And yes, it's a uh, close to one hour interview. And I just tend not to follow any rules when it comes to podcasting. I just want to talk. I want to talk about youth ministry. I want to talk about discipleship. I don't want to do, you know, sometimes 20 minutes is fine. Uh, but today, I think the subject deserved an hour. And so I went an hour, Heather and I did, and I think you're going to be uh, glad that I went one hour because she gives us tremendous amount of information. And uh, I'm going to put a link down in the show notes to her book. Uh, I hope that you will check it out. Um, we did cut off. You're going to miss the bantering. I don't know how many of you like bantering at the beginning, but uh, you know, it, I can take it or leave it, but I, I usually enjoy it. Uh, so the clip comes in. Uh, we start this interview right from the get-go. Uh, where you don't hear me ask the question, but I say, how did you get started with this idea of uh, Jewish roots and youth ministry? And she just jumps right into the answer, and then it is on from there. And there's so much good stuff in here. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you're brand new to the podcast, thanks for checking it out. Um, I invite you to come subscribe and be a part uh, so you can get this in your inbox on a regular basis. And uh, with that, Let's go ahead and have a conversation with Heather Kiros. Throughout the land of Israel for like three and a half weeks. And I um, went with athlete, Athletes in Action. Um, a friend of mine, her name is Jessica. She just really encouraged me to go on this trip. She said, Heather, it's awesome. We explored the land of Israel. 
you'll play on a women's basketball team, you know, and so you get to do some uh, athletics and you'll get to explore um, the Jewish roots of your faith. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And so I went and um, that trip for, I, I'm not kidding you. Like when I think about like the top five things of my life, that is right up there for sure. Um, it forever changed my life. Um, I saw the Bible come to life in a way I never experienced. Um, coming from the Western world, I never thought to contextualize Jesus in his Eastern world. <laughs> and once I, I know, right, you'd think that would be pretty common, but not always the case. And I understand. Uh, yeah. And I went there and it was like, um, it was amazing. Our director, John, uh, just made the Bible come to life in a way I'd never experienced before as he unpacked uh, the Jewish roots of our faith. And so I just became super hungry about understanding the Jewish roots of our faith. And so I wanted to, once I got back from Israel, I was just reading and watching and listening to everything I could get my hands on that would help me better understand uh, the treasure that I felt like I had found when I was in Israel in 2011. Um, and so about two years ago, um, I went through a transition in my life where uh, I stepped away from a long-term ministry that I was leading to kind of s settle into this season of rest and healing. And yep. during, that, during that period, during that time, I had extra time to kind of reflect and think. And um, I just thought to myself, I'm like, you know what, what if I combine the two things that I'm passionate about? Because I kept talking to these youth leaders around the country through the work that I do with ministry architects. And I kept hearing people say, you know, we're trying to do discipleship, but we just feel like we're doing it wrong. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, maybe there's something there. Like maybe there is something for us to explore in the youth ministry community by what I've been thinking about through these last seven or so years. Um, and so I actually, when I was on this time of kind of stepping away from uh, that ministry that I was leading, I actually wrote another book that didn't get published, but I threw it out to publishers and I threw it out to the youth cartel, Mark uh, and uh, Marco and the group right. over there. And um, he's like, you know, Heather, this book is great, but it just doesn't fit what we need. And so I said, well, I have this other idea for a book. I haven't written it, but this is what I'm thinking. And I said, I've thought about like combining the Jewish roots of our faith with youth ministry. He's like, I'm really intrigued, Heather. And so I just sent him like the first chapter. I wrote the first chapter really fast and he's like, I love it. Let's do it. And so that was a little over a year ago. And I wrote the book over the past year and just saw the Lord make it happen. It was awesome. Well, yeah. that is, that is always the best way for it to happen. Isn't it? When it's, when it's, yeah. When the Lord opens the doors and it just, it's fluid for you and, yeah. Uh, you, you just get into that, that, um, that zone and it's just working. I love it when yeah. that happens. Yes. It doesn't happen nearly enough for me, but I, <laughs> but, but I'd like it to happen more. I hear you on that. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, now tell us a little bit about real quick, how long have you been in doing youth ministry? Now I know you stepped away from a, a position, but how long overall have you been working with students? Wow. So I'm 35. So I started serving in youth ministry, I think about 19, I was 19 years old or something like that. And uh -huh. then I, I stepped into full-time ministry probably when I was 24 or something like that. And so I worked at a church for about nine years as a youth pastor on staff there. 
um, kind of went through that transition. And my husband and I just recently moved to Shelbyville, Indiana, where I currently serve on staff at uh, Shelbyville Community Church as a student ministries pastor. So, oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, now, when I, how close are you? I have to ask this uh, because how close are you to South Bend? I think South Bend is actually north of us. I think we're we're like twenty five minutes south of Indianapolis. So. Okay. Yeah. And I always ask that when people I talk to are from Indiana because I happen to be a big Notre Dame fan. Oh, there you so go. So I want to know if you can see Touchdown Jesus from where you are. <laughs> I don't think I can. You can't. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just checking. I just, I try to map out, you know, who lives near there that in case you need a speaker or retreat speaker, I'm totally available. Um, just want to let you know. Especially uh, during go- huh? yeah, game week. Especially during game weekend, right? Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh-huh. And I will. Uh, just letting people know, listening, yeah. you on YouTube and the listening audience, I yeah. will come for Notre Dame tickets. That there is, you go. That's it. That's my, that's it. I, I, nothing else is required. Got um, it. Maybe, a, uh, maybe something from the concession stand. Yeah, um, you bet. <laughs> but uh, so in this journey you've been on, I, I love the first part of your book here and the opening chapter of your book. Once again, first century Youth Ministry, Exploring Our Jewish Roots to Reclaim Discipleship. Links will be down in the show notes on YouTube as well as in the podcast notes where you can get the book uh, wherever books are sold. Of course, it's going to be Amazon. I don't know where any place, where does anybody else buy books? But (laughs) that link will be there. If you love Books a Million, you can still go there. It could be there on the shelf, and I hope it is. But you have a quote there that says, is it possible that discipleship has been lacking in our culture because we inadvertently pulled up our Jewish roots. So let's go ahead and dive into that then and say, what do you mean that youth ministries have pulled up our Jewish roots when it comes to discipleship? Well, quite frankly, I don't think that we've really ever, I I think as as a whole, as the Western world, we've never really considered our Jewish roots all that much. Um, I think that, at least for me in my experience, especially when I kind of stepped into Israel and I saw the the Eastern world and I saw the Bible as an Eastern book because that's who wrote it, the people who lived in the Eastern world. Um, and I, for the longest time, I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm contextualizing Jesus and his message in the Western world because that's who we are, that's our culture. And by doing that, we miss out on so much of what Jesus is communicating. We miss out on so much of understanding our faith um, and so much of the richness and the goodness of what God's word is communicating to us as a body of believers. And so I think that, I don't think it was purposeful. I don't think anybody was like, oh yeah, we need to uproot our Jewish roots. I think we just kind of went along. We were like, well, we're in America and by golly, we're going to be Americans. You know what I mean? Like America. America. I think, I think that's just kind of what it was, you know? And, like I tell the story about how um, at the beginning of the book and in the introduction, I had a friend who asked me to come over her to say, hey, I've got some lettuce in my garden. I'm like, lettuce? Heck yeah. And so I go over there and I start using scissors and I'm like, this is taking forever. And so I just start using my hands and I start pulling out the roots of this lettuce. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm pulling out the roots. Like nothing more is going to grow, right? And- That's right. You know, in, in order for us, and like I tell the story in the book, um, you know, my my dad's uh, parents, my grandparents on my dad's side have, are both passed away, and I and they passed away when I was 
my grandpa, I never knew. My grandmother passed away when I was six. Um, so I don't really know my dad's roots. And, but I do know my mother's roots because her parents are still alive. And it helps me, as I get to know my grandparents on my mother's side, better understand my mom and how she came to be and even who I've come to be. But there's that part of my dad's side that I don't know just because I didn't have the privilege of, of getting to know his parents like I did my mother's. And so the more that we get to know our Jewish roots, the more that we get to understand the Jesus whom we love. Uh, absolutely. And the, and, and I, at the very least, I mean, I, I know that um, at least for me, I try to, when speaking, saying, Hey, you know, when you're trying to give context to when you're speaking or when you're uh, doing a message or things like that, at least pause for 30 seconds and say, let me set the stage for you yeah. of what is happening culturally sure. in the context of this. I mean, that's, that would be a basic step, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, how then does a youth ministry, and this is where we, we're going to riff a little bit because it kind of brought to my mind, because mm -hmm. so many youth ministries are entrenched, right, yeah. in a specific way of doing things uh -huh. in an American way. So how do we then go, or how does the average youth ministry begin to go back to those roots? Where, how, does the whole thing need to be deconstructed? Does a youth pastor listening or watching, they're like freaking out and going, oh my gosh, we're, we're not Jewish enough. We've got to, <laughs> we, we have got to get the ram's horn, which some churches do, by the way. That's perfectly fine. Those but awesome. I, think, I think it needs to go a little bit beyond the ram's horn. Uh, a little bit, you know, if you mm -hmm. want to do that, by the way, I think your kids would love it. If you just did a Ram's horn at the beginning of every youth meeting. The, why yes. not? Yeah, that might scare a couple, but you, the rest might stay. Yeah. I think the students would know that meeting was starting. That's uh, maybe that's your way of saying, hey, time yeah. to gather. I like it. Blow the horn. You go first. Okay. <laughs> that's right. I'll tell you how that goes. Yeah. Um, so, so then mm -hmm. if, so if the person listening and watching says, but if we're not Jewish enough, how do we fix that? Or how do we, am I completely off base? Am I like, what, what, what's my process here? How do I begin to even begin to think about going back to roots? Sure. I think it, honestly, it starts with you. Uh, you know, the, what I mean by that is this, is that, you know, when I think about my teaching and prior to going to Israel, I've ignored a lot of the Old Testament. I just thought it was old. I thought it was not it's really you True. Good point. Uh, I, just, I just thought it, 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 wrecked, it lacked relevance and I was deeply wrong. And I, um, and so once I got back from there, I changed how I taught students. I tried with all my might to dig as deep as I could into the scriptures to help them understand what was going on culturally and historically um, from the land in which the Bible was written. And so I think it starts with the individual to say, okay, am I willing to do the hard work and the research um, and the digging deep on uh, what I'm reading in scripture to help students really understand what's going on historically and culturally? Um, so I think it's just kind of starting there, starting small. It doesn't have to be like, oh, we need to wear yarmulkes and celebrate Hanukkah and our youth group is going to have Passover tonight. So everybody bring your lamb. We'll slaughter it. Like, you know, like, I don't think, I don't think we need to do that. You know, I think it's just a matter of, you know, it's, it's a small little changes, right? And that's what I offer in the book on the different sections is just 
you know, small little changes, small little suggestions and ways to, to start um, reintroducing what it means to maybe honor better our Jewish roots. Right. And that's, that's totally where I was going with that question, because I think those that are listening, those that are watching, uh, you know, this happens when we read a book or do something and say, oh, I'm doing it all wrong. And now I've got to somehow fix all this. Yeah. But just like you said, it's the small steps. And it comes from, like you said, the, your own personal, whether it's going through the Old Testament yourself, right? Don't make any massive changes yeah. in your youth ministry. Although I would say middle school boys would love to put lamb's blood on their doorpost every week. Uh, somehow I just think they would think I, that was cool. I would agree with that sentiment. I would, I would agree. They boys, really boys, get the blood. Right. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, they'd have it like on their face. They'd be like painting that. Like, no, 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 no. That's not what that's for. Stop that. What was that? What's that book where the kids like take over? There's no parents. And Lord of the Flies. Yeah. And they have that pig and stuff. And it's blood. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's exactly how that meeting would go. <laughs> so the simple steps that you talk about, can you offer, go ahead and just give these folks that are listening and watching some security that yeah. everything doesn't transform. We've already said, look, go through the Old Testament for yourself. Go yeah. ahead and start journaling or start doing something. Mm. What are some other small steps that once a youth pastor says, you're right, I need to get back looking at the Old Testament and finding what these roots are, how then are some small changes that, that they can make, that youth workers can make to start, you know, at least presenting the ideas to their students? Um, so presenting the ideas to their students. Okay. So then uh, I think it just starts with, you know, making a small adjustment here and there. So, you know, when you change the, your style of teaching, like, mm-hmm. hey, this week we're going to unpack what the word um, Talmud means, or we're going to unpack, you know, what, um, what this name in the Bible means, you know, this Hebrew name in the Bible mm-hmm. means or something like that, you know. So it's, it's slowly but surely kind of reintroducing or um, taking our kids to that part, uh, the Jewish parts of our faith. Um, and letting them start to explore it for themselves as well. Does that kind of answer your question? Or I think it does because because and I say that because you know sometimes youth pastors kind of like like jerk the wheel. Yeah, right? they like jump into it, uh-huh. and and it, like so. Hey, we don't we're not even going to give you any prep, students. We're not even going to let you know what's coming up. It's we're like this is happening, and yeah. this is this. But youth pastors can segue a little bit easier and a little bit better through simple things like absolutely doing a word study right yep. or doing a a book of the bible if you want to do exodus you know if you're going to do a series anyway mm-hmm. because if you're going to do the book study let's say in sunday school or even on a wednesday night or a sunday night at least you're studying it for yourself right to make sure that you're getting it right that you're going to yeah. be able to do that so you're educating yourself before you're educating, you know, the students, but mm-hmm. uh, are there any other ways you can think of that would help youth pastors say, okay, all right, this whole, we're going to go there uh, with our students, even though, you know, I, I, I don't know, I guess you can, you know, youth pastors are thinking, yeah, but how can I make the old Testament fun? You know, it's old <laughs> and it's a Testament. Yes. It's a covenant. Indeed. It's a covenant. So, yeah. so I know there's, and there's, there's youth workers who maybe stay away from it. They stay a lot in the New Testament. They 
they occasionally go back when they want to talk about, you know, Gideon or they want to talk about sure. Moses or, you know what I'm saying? But, but there's more yeah. to it yeah. than that. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because if we look at the life of Jesus, the book with which he taught from was the Old Testament. The book that he got excited about, the book that he helped people how, understand how to follow God was the Old Testament. And if Jesus saw great value in the Old Testament, and if he um, loved it with his heart and his soul and his mind and his strength, and if he, um, you know, that's the way that he taught others how to follow God. And man, if my Jesus gets excited about that, I, I'm sure that there's got to be a way for me to get excited about it too, right? And so I think if we, if we start to see uh, the Old Testament in a different light, not like this old book that just has dust on the covers, but a book that um, is living and active, right? Uh, sharper than any double-edged sword. Right. Um, that it, it really makes a difference. And I think as well, like, in the way that I thought that you were going to go with this question that I think maybe might be valuable uh, to the discussion is, yes. is that, um, you know, there's different components in my book that is more like, okay, here are some suggestions. Here are some things that for you to consider as a youth worker um, you know, that from the life of a first century Jew, that is not, I'm not telling you exactly what to do. I'm giving you kind of a framework to work from and say, okay, now here's some things to consider and work this out. However, this looks for your youth ministry. For example, um, you know, the Jews highly valued, uh, community. Uh, so what does that look like in your youth ministry? Does it mean that you enjoy more fellowship around the table? Does it mean that you, laugh more often together? Does it mean that you, uh, you know, have a, uh, a marathon movie night or something like that? You know what I mean? Like, what does it look like in your context to have more time in community? And then I, uh, you know, the Jewish uh, first century world, they highly valued um, God's Torah, right? The word of God. So what does it look like uh, for you to help your students have a higher understanding or excuse me, I should say a better understanding uh, of the word of God. Um, and then another thing that the Jews, uh, they valued was the Sabbath. You know, what does it look like for me as a youth worker to take a step back, to cease and desist and to just be at rest and at peace with God. Um, and, and also Jesus in the community that he lived in valued doing life together. So what does that look like? Does that mean that my students and I, uh, go out every Friday night for ice cream? Does it mean that I invite my students over when I'm working on a project in my home so they learn how to do that. Or I help my students uh, get to know some of the older adults in the congregation and, you know, have an older gentleman teach them how to change the oil in their car. I mean, what does it look like for me to do life together with my students? Um, the Jews highly valued the aged and the wisdom of the generations that had gone before them. So what does it look like for me to be more intergenerational in my ministry where I'm inviting older congregation members into my ministry? Um, or what does it look like for me to um, you know, put a greater emphasis and value on the family and um, trying to integrate them more into the ministry? And so, you know, there's a number of different uh, practices within first century Judaism that we see that I think we all know and understand, but it's just good to be reminded of and um, uh, in light of what we're trying to accomplish in the journey of making disciples. Perfect. Because in your book, you break down for youth pastors, these values that are already doing, 
mm-hmm. right? There's already the concept of family. There's already concept of Sunday. There's already concept of, um, of community, uh, of yeah. discipleship making. And yeah. really what your book is challenging youth workers to do is look at each of those components through the lens mm-hmm. of the book they're reading, mm-hmm. of, the, of the source material, if you will, yeah. and say, how do we get back to something more real and mm-hmm. more authentic in our relationships with each other and yeah. with adults in our congregation? Yeah, it's all about, you know, and this is a big push in my book as well, is that Jesus was not about programs. He, and the, the Jewish community was not about programs per se. They were about community and people yep. and doing life together and relationships and, you know, digging deep into uh, sharing life together. I remember when I was in Israel and we learned about um, the Jewish wedding feast and how that all worked out and how integrated the family was in all of that and um, how big, you know, it was that the community came together in that. And, you know, we, in our Western world, unfortunately, because of the busyness of our lives and um, all of that, we get to be so just kind of segregated, kind of just doing our own thing, isolated, and uh, we lack that fresh community that we need. And so, um, you know, there's a big push in my book to focus not so much on programs and the size of my youth group, um, but to just focus on loving people and forming a community of people who do that and who support each other and who walk alongside of one another. Exactly. And there's, and, there, and, you know, like I said, we'd be here all day if I was simply pull from your book, the story of New Life Fellowship. Is it, uh, I believe it's yeah. New Life Fellowship. Yes. If we talked about that experience, right? and that's why you have to read the book. Yeah. Read the book because yeah. the way New Life Fellowship does their, yeah. does a three, is it three weeks? Yeah. A mm-hmm. three week trip with their, a three week, a three week trip with yes. their students. Yes. Reading that alone uh-huh. will challenge you, yes. listeners, watchers, yes. challenge you alone to do something different with your students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pastor Billy and Katie are awesome. I mean, when I heard about this program, I was just, I was just blown away. And you know, Billy's a great friend of mine. Um, you know, we did youth ministry in the same area, and I always had a lot of admiration and respect for his youth ministry. And when I heard about this, I was like, "Holy moly, man! You got to tell me more!" Like you've got to tell me more about this ministry that you do with your students. Cause it's unreal. I mean, they're spending 24 seven with a small group of students for three weeks, you know, like right. they're, they're getting to know each other. They're doing life together. Um, and it's awesome. Right. You know, I, and that's why I, I love the stories in my book where I get to share about what God's doing through the life of other youth workers in the United States. And, um, and what, uh, you know, how they're investing um, in, in ways that are really making a big difference in the life of students. And it's because they're investing um, in relationships and they're investing in the people uh, that God has given them. And so, you know, that I love the story of Jeannie and Cassidy and the story of Ray and, you know, all that. And, and those are some of my favorites for sure. Well, let's jump into that because that is in fact, my next question is that some of the stories in here and you got to read the book for the stories and for, for how NF NLF does their program. It's it's broken down in there, Uh all that stuff. But the story that I love the most is Jeannie and Cassidy Mm -hmm. because, well, I'm going to let you explain it. You explain this. You're going to explain why I love it so much. 
Well, that's fair, Paul. Well, let me hop into your head. Okay, got it. All right. So, <laughs> so um, Jeannie is a retired teacher. Um, Cassidy, at the time when I interviewed them, was a senior in high school. And um, when I was working at the church, I was actually mentoring Cassidy. We would meet um, every other week or so and just kind of talk about Jesus and talk about life. And, you know, it was one day I remember very specifically, I was down in the kitchen at the church. Um, and I just sensed the Lord speak to me, you need to pass Cassidy off to Jeannie. And I was like, okay, uh, I should probably talk to Jeannie first. Right. And so <laughs> maybe, right. So I called, yes. Jeannie. I was called Jeannie. I was like, Hey, you know, here's what I really sense from the Lord. She's like, okay, well, you know, talk to her about it and, and let's see. And I talked to Cassidy about it and it was like, she didn't even have to think for half a second. She was like, yes. And I was like, first part of me was like, no, aren't you sad? Like, aren't you sad? Don't you want me? You know, right. And right, whatever. And, um, but then I was like, awesome. That's now, awesome. Now, now remind people how old is, uh, Jeannie. There's a, there's a, well, I think there's a 50 year age gap between her and Cassidy. Yeah, so, right. don't don't bury the lead because that is it right there. The, yes. the fact that she that there's a 50 year age difference between them. Yes. And the Lord told you and put to, put it on your heart. Yes. That, that needs to be the mentoring relationship. Yeah, because quite frankly, like when I think about Jeannie and I think about Cassidy, even though there's that age gap, that their personalities and their love for the Lord and their passion for him and their gifts were so similar that I was like, you know, this just makes sense to me as well. And so it was so funny because the two of them started meeting and it was like an immediate bond. I mean, we're talking like a deep, immediate bond where it went from just, you know, getting together, um, you know, a, a couple times a month to where G Cassidy's coming over to Jeannie's house just to hang out, just to do her homework, just to, you know, spend time with her where it wasn't so much about anything structured as it was just about um, enjoying time together. And I actually just so happened to text message Jeannie earlier today. And she's like, you know, it's so great, Heather, because Cassidy is off at college now. And so one of the tensions or the fears was, was that both of them were like, we're just so sad that, you know, we're not going to be able to spend as much time together. And um, Jeannie told me that Cassidy still calls her like once a week and says, you know, just to check in or ask for prayer or to share what God's doing in her life or just to talk. And so it's, it's a huge thing where, you know, because Jean even says, and she's quoted in the book, like, you know, she said, you know, Heather, when you first asked me, I was like, well, can I relate? Right. Um, am I essentially, am I too old for this? And the truth of the matter is, and what I've learned um, in youth ministry, and I'm sure what you've learned as well is that kids don't really care so much about age. They really don't. They're just looking for a safe place to land and somebody who will love them. And I found that with the older congregation members, they often have that wisdom and that love and that, that depth of character um, that is so needed in the life of a young person. And so, um, yeah, Jeannie and Cassidy uh, is a great story in the book because I just love to share about what God is doing in the lives of other people and how God is using them uh, and how God used Jeannie and Cassidy's life and what a blessing that was to both of them. And so many times those are the youth workers um, feel like they have to pick hip, cool people, which by the right. way, old, older people are hip, cool people. I, they have a few more wrinkles than other people. I mean, you're pretty cool, Paul, and you're old. So I am. Thank you for <laughs> noticing. 
And I, I do listen, you laugh, but the other night I was speaking on a, a Sunday night, I spoke on Sunday night and I was wearing, um, I was wearing a classically trained t-shirt. It said classically trained and it had Nintendo NES on it. Yes. Classically trained. Yes. And you know who, who connected with me? Middle school boy who reached right? out to me with complete empathy and said, cool shirt, man. And That's I'm awesome. like, look at that. Yeah. Way to go. Not bad, not bad for, you know, almost a 52-year-old guy, That's right? Crazy. Yeah. But I, think, but I think the older I get, the uh -huh. more I understand, which I think that's the value of growing old, right? There's wisdom in that, that what I did not think about in my 20s about youth ministry and older adults connecting, yeah. uh, I have a much better understanding. Unfortunately, I understood that in other churches that I've served, but the older I get, I, I see much more of the wisdom, mm -hmm. especially what you, you know, what you convey in your book about these generations getting together and yeah. saying, hey, we have more in common. And really what that young man for me, he just wanted to have a conversation. He wanted right. to talk about video games. Right. And I happened to just be there and we were talking about it. That He didn't see a 52-year-old guy. He saw a guy that was interested in something that he was interested in. Yes. Yeah. And that's, and all, and that's all students want. Right. Which ultimately made you become interested in him, right? Which made him feel special and important and valued, right? Yes. And that's so- it. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's interesting because um, I tell the story of Ray as well in my book. And that's kind of, that's probably my favorite story in the book because, Please. yes, Please because, and that's in chapter nine. Um, yep. You know, it was so wild to me because I, my friend Zach, um, Zachary Sandry, he's a youth pastor at a heritage church in Bettendorf, Iowa. And when Zach told our, because we had a youth pastors network that would meet every so often and we did a training one time and he told us about, I remember him telling us about his volunteer Ray, who was like 90 years old. And I'm like, what? Is that even real? Like, is that a thing? Like, like really? No way. And so when, when I, when I started writing this book and I got to the chapter about, you know, the wisdom of the aged, I, I got a hold of Zach and I was like, look, is Ray still serving in your ministry? He's like, yeah. And he's like one of our most loved volunteers by the students. And I'm like, I have got to get to know this guy. And, um, you know, I sat down with Zach and I sat down with Ray and uh, interviewed both of them. And it was just wild when I was talking with uh, Ray. He said that he started out serving in youth ministry at around the age of 70 years old. That's when he started. Start. That's when he started. Start. And because he's like the youth pastor at our church left. And so me and another gentleman at the church said, let's fill in the gaps. And, um, and he's like, Heather, I've been doing youth ministry ever since. And I absolutely love it. And he said, you know, Heather, um, that there's one thing I've learned is that kids are just, again, they're looking for somebody who cares. Yep. And I show that I care. And because I show that I care and that I'm invested in them and that I care about them and that I love them, kids are, kids are drawn to me. I mean, that's essentially what he said is that like, you know, kids know that I care, therefore they are good with me. They don't care that I'm 92 years old, you know? And, um, it's just, it was wild to me to hear his story and just, he's like, you know, Heather, when I was a teenager, things aren't really that much different than they are today. He's like, there's a smartphone. That's a little different, but really, you know, what I went through, my fears and the different things that I experienced, teenagers are still experiencing today. So even though maybe I can't relate all the time culturally 
I can definitely relate in other ways. Um, and Ray's, Ray's story is just, it just excited me to say, wow, look what God can do in the life of the older generations to care for and love for the teenagers in our ministries. And, and, and in the book, I believe he says too, that, that really what he does is he prays for kids too, right? He, he just, you know, he'll, yeah. that, uh, that the youth passion will find Ray just mm-hmm. praying for kids and yes. how, how, I mean, you know, if you're listening to this and you're, or watching this and you say, I'm too old to do something, the minimum you can do, look, you don't have to go and, and play, uh, you know, trampoline, dodgeball, yeah. trampoline. You don't have to go to the trampoline place. You don't have to go to the lock-in. You can pr- just pray with young people. Right. What a valuable connection that is to simply say, I want to pray for you and, yeah. and, and invest, you know, my prayer into your life and invite the Lord into this mix of, of old and young. Absolutely. Yeah. Ray says that he brings a bunch of three by five note cards with him every week to youth group. And he'll just ask kids, how can I pray for you? And he'll write down their prayer requests and he prays for them throughout the week. And so he said, you know, Heather, when I come back the following week, I asked that kid, how's things going with your grandma? How's things going with, you know, that thing at school or that thing at home? He's like, kids know that I care because I ask about the things that I'm praying for, for them. Yeah. God bless you, Ray. Right? Isn't that wherever, awesome? Wherever you're at, Ray, God yeah. bless you, brother. I love you. I, I just think that is so cool. And uh, yeah. I hope I hope when I'm 93, I, I'll I'll be still like that. I would like to think that Absolutely. I'm gonna keep my classically trained t-shirt available. I think I'll just have to keep that and wear that occasionally. Agreed. <laughs> um you know, this is uh, uh, there's so much more. Like I said, Heather, we could go talk about the keys and yeah. student leadership. I, I'll just bring you back to talk about student leadership. Let's just, sure. let's, let's do that because uh, I want you to talk to youth workers now about when they finish reading this book and they say, look, what is, what is the, the, the main thing you really want youth workers to get uh, from this book when they're done, they flip the last page or sitting there drinking their coffee mm-hmm. and they have that moment where they just kind of go, finished another youth ministry book how can what can they what do you want them to walk away from thinking about in their in their mind and saying hmm you know I think I would want them to walk away saying I can do this I can do this I can make one more step in the direction of unpacking my Jewish roots to get to know Jesus in a deeper way in the culture in which he came from and just you know, like when I, I think I talk about there and a little spark that was lit inside of me when I went after I got back from Israel. And my hope is that as they read this book, that there'll just be that little spark uh, that'll just ignite in them to say, I want to continue to get to know Jesus um, and the Jewish world in which he came from uh, to help better understand how Jesus did discipleship so that I can therefore um, become a disciple maker like Jesus was. And I'm not saying that my book or that my method is going to solve all the problems and it's going to make all the world better. And we're all going to be these tremendous disciple makers because of it. But, you know, I think there are some key things there as you kind of brought up the keys, right? And there's a, there's a chapter in the book uh, called the keys to the kingdom. And I talk about in there, the age of the disciples. And I talk about um, 
the, what Jesus does uh, with them at Caesarea Philippi. And I remember being in Caesarea Philippi in Israel. And, but before I get into that, you know, I, I talk about um, the age of the disciples and how um, from, uh, well, technically, you know, and growing up, right, like we looked at these pictures of the disciples and quite frankly, Paul, they looked like you, you know, like they were older men, right? You're right. And yeah. No question. Yeah. And, and so in my mind, I thought, gosh, like the disciples were all older men. And that's what I thought because- Grumpy of, old men. By golly, grumpy old men that played Nintendo. I don't that's know. It. But so, um, <laughs> so, um, you know, when, um, when I went to Israel and I learned that in the Jewish educational system that, um, you know, young Jewish boys and girls start out in what's called um, uh, no, Bet Sefer. Uh, they start out in Bet Sefer, which is like primary school for boys and girls. And then at the end of that schooling, around the age of 10, the girls go home, the boys continue on in what's called Bet Midrash. Um, and then it's only the best of the best who would then continue on in following a great rabbi. And for those Jewish boys who would follow a rabbi, the typical age that they would follow a rabbi would be around between 15 to 18 years old. And so, um, and when we look at the book of Matthew chapter 17, we see mm -hmm. Jesus and Peter, um, and only Jesus and Peter pay the temple tax. Now, if, and that was for people who are 20 years older and above. And so if Jesus is a righteous man, and we know that he is, he's not going to break the law. <laughs> he's going to pay the temple tax if the other disciples are, old, are 20 years older and above. So we can safely assume, uh, based upon um, the typical age that a, a young man would follow a rabbi, yep. and uh, based upon um, Matthew 17, that the disciples except for Peter, were in fact teenagers. And so that being said, in my book, The Keys to the Kingdom, um, I unpack uh, just how important it is that we really invest in uh, the generations uh, of our young people and saying, hey, look, we believe that you are and can be the next uh, future generations of the leaders of the church and looking for ways uh, to pass off those keys of leadership to them. You know, Jesus says to his disciples in Caesarea Philippi, he says, you know, as he's addressing Peter, right? And he says, I give you the keys to the kingdom uh, of God, uh, whether you bind on heaven, you know, that, that chapter, that scripture. And I remember when I was in Israel and um, we were standing there in Caesarea Philippi and below us was um, this place where they worship the God Pan. Right. And there's um, it's like a, it was a goat uh, sort of idol. And um, yeah. And the Jews believed uh, that the gates of Hades um, resided in that area where they worship the God of Pan. Um, so when Jesus says to uh, Peter and the, the rest of the disciples, hey, look, here's the deal. Um, you are going to go to places like this and through my power. Um, the gates of Hades will not prevail against you. So um, he gives him the keys to the saying, hey, take the gospel to places like Caesarea Philippi where you will be bombarded um, with evil, essentially, right? And so it's this idea of there are young people in our midst who have their own Caesarea Philippi's. And we as youth workers and youth pastors are called, should be called and equipped 
um, to equip them to bring the gospel to the places that are dark and in need of the love of God uh, and in need of the gospel. Um, and so, um, so yeah, that Keys to the Kingdom chapter just really challenges the youth worker to say, hey, am I investing in and passing off those keys? You know, it's, maybe it's as simple as, you know, having a kid, training them up to give a message at youth group or um, training, them up and, training them up and teaching them how to do tech or in, encouraging them to serve on the music ministry or, you know, looking for, looking for ways to get them plugged in to just uh, places that would um, help hone in and train them up uh, as leaders in the church. So. And that's, and that's probably what you're, you know, you, do you have an example of maybe a student in your youth ministry right now that you've, you've passed some keys off to? Well, since I'm newer in my position here uh, at Shelbyville, it's still kind of getting to know people. Right. I've been, I've actually been really encouraged by the reality that that was already happening when I came. Uh-huh. And so there's, um, you know, kids who are serving uh, on the tech team on Sunday mornings at the church. There's kids who, um, I, I tell the story about Faith and Brandon in the book as well. Yep. Our, our worship pastor does an mm-hmm. awesome job at this. He's got a teenage girl who's a senior uh, in high school in my ministry, and he's training her up to be a worship leader at the church. She actually led um, her first song uh, a couple weeks ago in church. And so eventually the goal is to get her to like lead a whole set. Um, And so, yeah, that's happening at my church. And that's something that is the church is already bought into. It's not necessarily something that I had to um, push her or get people uh, to rally around. And that is a great point because not every youth worker who's listening and not every youth worker who um, is watching is in a context where, mm-hmm. where they believe that. Sure. That the church does not believe that. So there's not a lot of handing down. There's not a lot of keys being handed out. It's, sure. you know, there's a lot of key, there's a lot of gatekeeping. <laughs> right. not, they're not passing out the keys. They're, nope, stay away from the keys, please. The keys are mine and uh, we're not going to give them to you. Uh, So, so we have to remind, you know, that discipleship is a, is a progressive thing. It's all things. It's not, uh, it's not an information dump. It's not a, a class is taught. It's a, it's a life that progresses as we hand out keys and opportunities, small keys and big keys, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I remember one time I had a student who, I challenged to lead a breakout session for our fall retreat and I was, you know, checking in with her often and what do you need? What do you need? And it got down to the point where she didn't have anything ready. And I had to, I had to take that key away because, and we had to talk about it and we just had a conversation we said, okay, what can we do differently next time? You know, how can I help you get to the point where you've got that breakout session ready to go, you know, so that, you know, we can step into that both feeling confident, right? Because she realized she dropped the ball, right? Yeah. And, but that's, that's what doing life together is, right? It's, that's what discipleship is. That's what discipleship is. And it's, it's okay that she messed up, right? It's yeah. totally fine um, yeah. because I've messed up, right? Yeah. And we all need that grace. And we see that in the life of Peter, right? We see he totally screwed up. And Jesus says, hey, I love you still. And I'm going to give you even greater keys of leadership because you've been humbled now. That's right. You make that point clear in the book that even in spite of he got greater keys mm-hmm. in Acts chapter two, 
He yeah. got uh, and three and four. He had uh, the keys uh, just kept on coming, regardless of the mistakes he made in the past. And right. uh, and you encourage youth workers, you know, don't hold those mistakes uh, against those kids. Mm. You know, teach them, train them, release them, and yeah. give them the keys back. Don't don't yeah. just you know say that you can't do it anymore, but but you know help them along a little bit to where they can hold you know the keys correctly. Right. We have to keep believing in people. I think so often in the church world, sometimes it's about how do we look to other people? Are we successful? And because of that, we kind of treat people like, well, you became a problem here. So therefore, we're just going to move along from you because you kind of keep screwing up. So you're making us look bad and we need to look good. So we need to kind of move a different direction. And I think that Jesus shows us that hey, we have to be willing to work with people and believe in them and speak that into them. Because if we look at the life of the disciples, I'm totally going to open another can here, but we, we see that. Go ahead. <laughs> we Go ahead. See, yeah, we see that from a Jewish perspective that, you know, these disciples were out doing their father's trade. They were tax collectors. They were fishermen. They were working, right? And so we yep. see that they're no longer in the Jewish educational system, which means that they weren't the best of the best. They weren't the ones that, that everybody said, you have what it takes in order to follow after a rabbi. They were the ones that everybody said, yeah, maybe you should just go be a fisherman, Pass. right? Right, Pass. And Jesus said, I believe in you, Peter, James, John, Andrew, and on and on. I think that you can be like me. Wow, what an overwhelming thing that must have been for them that somebody said, I believe in you and kept believing in them despite the fact that I'm sure that they had quite a few mishaps along the way, right? And so um, that's just what, what our students need as well. Just as much as you and I need that, they need that too. Somebody to say, I believe in you. Um, you have what it takes. Well, I believe in you, Heather. Thanks, I think Paul. You have, I think you have what it takes. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, in the in the book, and I'll we'll wrap with this. I think is because it's not. I don't think it's. It is a book about youth ministry. It's a book, but I don't want because I think the whole chapter on Sabbath rest mm -hmm. speaks to youth workers directly, and so many youth workers struggle with that. Would you just talk briefly about that fact from from our Jewish roots that we don't we're not doing Sabbath rest correctly. Most of us are not doing sure. rest correctly. Yeah. What should a youth pastor be thinking about when he's considering, because there's high burnout rates, there's high depression, there's loneliness, yeah. there's all kinds of things that goes on in the world of a youth worker and yeah. people in general, mostly because they're not taking a rest. They're not doing that. What would you, what would you say from your, from your book that you would say, look, pay attention to this. Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, well, the, the word Shabbat, right, in the Hebrew means to cease, desist, to rest. And I remember I was that person that you explained a few years ago. I was literally on the brink of burnout because I was just doing, 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 going, 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 because the youth ministry calendar just tends to be very fast paced. It, it's very full. There's always a retreat, an overnight, something going on, and you're just go, 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 go. And if you don't, create space and time for rest, you will do just that. You will burn out. And, you know, in that chapter, I encourage uh, people to do what I call the art of Sabbath, right? And the, at the behind what, what the Sabbath encourages us to do is to rest and be with the Lord. And so I remember um, a few years ago, 
I made the decision to essentially take a time out, right? And to say, okay, I need to schedule out one day a week where this is my day to just say, okay, I'm not jam packing it with a bunch of stuff. I'm just going to do things that create a rhythm in my life of joy and of peace and not of chaos. Um, because I remember there were some weeks where I was like, okay, I can do this. Um, my Sabbath day is coming soon, right? Like my Friday is coming. I can do this. I can make it. And, and that day would come and I would just kind of go, right? Like, and I could just kind of recharge and, and get back together um, with myself and with the Lord um, and, and just kind of not worry about doing, I could just be a person, you know, and that was a, the journey that God really took me on when I stepped away um, from ministry for a, a season was um, I just need to figure out how to be a child of God yeah. and how to just be a person and how to say, you know what, I'm not my performance. I'm not my ministry results. I'm not all these things that people pat me on the back for. I'm just a child of God. And I think that Sabbath helps us understand that, that we are not uh, the results on the, at the end of the page. We're not like, oh, I had a hundred kids show up for this thing or, oh, look at me. I wrote a book, you know, like I'm just a person. I'm just a person who is in need of the grace of God and who needs community and who needs people to say, you've got what it takes, Heather, and who, um, who love me for me and who want me to be like Jesus and who uh, encourages me in my walk. Right. And, and so I think that that, that heart of Sabbath to say, I need to take a step back and to just be with Jesus. And because, you know, even during for a season in my life, it was like really rushed, uh, time with God, right? Like it was just like, I'm just, okay, I gotta, I gotta get through this devotion. Lol, so you know, I'll just do it. Right. And it was like, just a check on the box. And then it was on to the next ministry thing. Right. And yeah. man, that just wore me out. And I, I came to this realization that, um, Sabbath all Sabbath is a rhythm that I've put into my life. Um, that, the, or what I would call the art of Sabbath, that need for rest, uh, on a day uh, as a daily thing too, you know, yeah. And taking time every single morning to spend time in the word, to spend time in prayer, uh, and to carve out a good, you know, 45 minutes to an hour is usually what I carve out. Um, it's probably, it's sometimes more, you know, and, and it's just that time where I can just be at rest and be with God and be in prayer and um, to listen and to hear from him. That's just a practice and an art that we have not done well um, because I was that youth worker who just ran and I didn't listen because I was so busy running and I, I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to be doing, but it was things that my fear or my insecurity told me that I needed to do. And when I actually started taking a step back and listening to the Lord, I started doing less, but God was creating more through my less, um, because of the greater abundance that he was putting into me. And so, um, so yeah, let's all just take a nap, okay? Right? Like seriously, let's take all take a holy nap and say, you know what? I'm just going to be with Jesus and not worry about my performance or trying to do or be or become somebody in the eyes of people, right? That's right. That's right. Mister, ministry is a cruel mistress. Yeah, man. It will not, it will not treat you kindly. It will not no. treat you well. 
you, you know, God cares more about the minister than the ministry, as we say, right? You got uh, it. It's so good, Heather. Heather, I'm so glad we've had this conversation. I'm so Thank glad you. that youth workers get to hear about your book. Um, mm-hmm. That is uh, phenomenal. And uh, it is first century youth ministry, exploring our Jewish roots to reclaim discipleship. Yeah. If, if people want to ask you more questions, if they want to get in touch with you or anything like that, what do you, what, where do you recommend sending them? Where would you like yeah. to, to go? Um, I have a Facebook page. Um, it's my name. And then uh, it's an author page. So they can like my page. Yes. Please um, like your page. Yeah. So I would prefer that over like, Hey, I don't, I'm just going to add her as a friend and I'll be like, who's that person? I don't know you. So just <laughs> find my author page on Facebook, like my page and um, they can stay up to date. They can um, send me messages. Um, I'm also actually just started every Monday uh, for the next few weeks. I'm going to be uh, putting out a new um, resource on YouTube. Um, they're about these like three to four minute videos of just these teachings. Like my first one was on the word Talmud. What does it mean? why is it important? Um, uh, my next video uh, I'll put out next Monday and they can, so they can find me on YouTube as well under my name. Um, and, uh, they can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, but definitely the best place to go would be to my Facebook page, um, which is Heather Kiros author page. So, yeah. Okay. Well, if you do that, listeners, watchers, uh, if you will do that, just say, look, we heard you on the podcast. We heard you on the Youth Ministry Emotion podcast. Yeah. Walter sent us. Uh, we want to be friends with you. Awesome. I love it. Heather, thanks you so much for your time. And uh, we will have you back very, very soon to talk more uh, about discipleship. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Heather. And that's it. I hope you were inspired by Heather. I hope that you were taking notes. I hope that you're going to buy her book. Uh, I hope that you're going to, you know, just rethink youth ministry. I mean, like I said, you don't have to blow the ram's horn every week uh, to investigate your Jewish roots, but there's so many simple ways for you to do that. Uh, Once again, if you're brand new to the podcast, thank you for checking it out. I would love for you to hit that subscribe button. And if you really enjoyed it, go ahead and leave a few stars and a review. I'll leave a link down below uh, to iTunes there. And uh, that way this podcast can be found for other youth workers. So that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, we'll catch you guys in episode 99.